good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? I'm devastated. Uh, Conference USA lost their ability to sweep the college basketball postseason. Therefore, I have only one one wish of the of the basketball gods, and that's not to let the terrible, terrible place that is Stores, Connecticut, receive another national championship trophy. Uh, so, other than that, it's it's time to look forward to football, guys. It is a great damn day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat football fan. Indeed, it is, Hummer. There's still, there's still plenty of meat on the bone, as you like to say, with regard to the Bearcats basketball program. But that's for another time, another place. And as of this recording, there's still not a ton of news on that front. No portal entries. No commits. We're just kind of standing still. Our Cincinnati's name is being attached to different players across the landscape, but we're very much in TBD mode with regard to what happens next. But as you alluded to, it is football time. We have a spring game coming up in about two weeks. And because it's football time, there's only one person to get back on the podcast, and that would be our beloved friend, the councilman. Joe Barnett is back on the podcast. Joe, welcome back to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast. Finally, the councilman has come back to the Cincy Slang and podcast. Far too long. Or as Far too long, Some Joe. might refer to it as that shitty podcast <laughs> run by those other people. They Some might. might... I, uh, I I went back through the archives, Joe, to see when the last time we spoke to you on the record was. And, and this is the record. And it looks like we did a football preview podcast with you for the last season. It was entitled, you know, something along the lines of returning to higher ground. It was recorded in August, and here we are. It's April 2nd, and we're just talking to you again about Bearcats football. So I don't know if, A, that's a massive indictment on the season we just experienced with the football team, or B, it's a massive indictment on Hummer and I, Hummer and I with regard to our, our neglecting the councilman himself. So I think it's a mixture of both our apologies. We, we, exp- we extend our sincerest apologies to you, sir. I embrace them and I take them deep into my heart. And of course I'll forgive you. And it's been far too long. It's good to be here with you guys today. It's wonderful to see both of you. We're putting this out on video and that could be a huge mistake. Time will tell. Um, before we get into football talk, were, were either of you partaking in the, the mania that was Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes pursuing a national championship? And it led to it led to some intense online discord after the fact. I was blackout drunk yesterday, so <laughs> I unfortunately, even if I were to have seen it, I couldn't tell you if I did. It happened a few hours ago, Joe. So you, you're still coming out of your stupor, it sounds like. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Hummer, what about you? You know, this is good to make for, I guess, this really anticlimactic pod fodder here because no no i wasn't i was navigating the mean streets of brooklyn getting so frustrated driving to goodwill to donate a bunch of clothes from from this it's spring game 
It's also spring cleaning, spring purge. Uh, so no, no, I did not. And um, what did I miss? Good banter. Great banter. Uh, she, 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 I'm not going to explain the whole experience. Being honest with you. I'm not going to explain the whole experience. Just know that there's a, a female basketball player by the name of Caitlin Clark who stole the nation's heart. And, and you know, her, she basically went on a run a la Steph Curry in with Davidson back in the day where she's jacking 30 foot three pointers, scoring 30 plus points per night. I think in the elite eight and final four back to back went over 40 each night setting records. I mean, just it's unprecedented productivity on the offensive end of the court ran up against an LSU team tonight or today that, that essentially put her in her place and, and did some taunting at the end of it. But Alas, neither of you have experienced it. Neither of you have takes. This is incredible podcast banter. I, I actually have a, a statistic that I saw yesterday. Caitlin Clark uh, had outscored Iowa's football team for an entire season just in their uh, final four run. So she scored more points than Iowa football did. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, that's going to be text to my uncle who lives in Ohio, maybe now Indiana, somehow is a huge Iowa fan. Can you imagine? And, and I, I saw let's that, be honest. I saw that stat too, Joe, and I thought to myself, are this, is this a compliment to Caitlin Clark or is this just more of, a, of an indictment on what Ferentz has going on over there with Iowa? Because that offense was atrocious last season. I think it's a compliment because, you know, they have 12 games. 13 games. She only had five, right? So, or four. So I think it is an accomplishment. Okay. Okay. But I was going to say there's only one mania and that is WrestleMania baby. And that is on right now. (laughs) Never, (laughs) never got into wrestling. I I, I honestly don't understand it. If I'm going to watch big time sports that are fixed, and predetermined. I'm just going to watch regular sports, NBA. Exactly. Look, right. NFL. We're on, we're on WrestleMania 39. Tennis. They're all rigged. Yeah. They're all staged. It's all simulation, anyways. <laughs> That's right. Well, we've uh, we filibustered enough here, gentlemen. Let's get into some football talk. As I mentioned, that was the worst filibustering I've I've ever heard. By the way, it's. It's uh, on the pantheon of words. that is how you put that's how you put the the chambers to sleep. <laughs> that is how you infuriate your opponents by just talking nonsense for a solid five minutes and forty nine seconds. Hey guys, did you see the women's basketball championship tonight? No, love it. no, no. no. <laughs> nope. I was enjoying the lovely weather outside today. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I'm sure that's what you were doing, Joe. <laughs> let's talk. Jesus. Let's talk Scott. <laughs> the man just said yes, he was coming on. Like this next topic. <laughs> this is brutal. Like the next topic. Let's talk Scott Satterfield. No, let's Ta-da. also known on this podcast as Lenny. Let's <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> I might need to just hit stop and, and re-record. Let's talk Scott Satterfield and the Bearcats football program, which. Over the weekend, while I was tucked away off the grid in the Red River Gorge, 
I did catch word that the Bearcats landed their first commitment of the 2024 class, which seems like a big deal. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's a bigger deal that they got the the commitment or that the commitment, the first commitment happened over the weekend on April 1st or, or March 31st, whenever that actually came through. We're going to talk spring game. We're going to get into that specifically down the line here, but I do want to throw it to Joe first and maybe just get your initial first impressions over the first four months ish of the, of the Scott Satterfield tenure, no football to see at this point. There's only been some practices. I think you've gotten in, you've gotten to attend one of those. We'll get into that as well, but just from reading, watching his videos and his clips, listening to his interviews and seeing the results in terms of recruiting and, and maybe what they're trying to do stylistically here. What are your first impressions over the first third of, of the year for Scott Satterfield? So I've, I've got to go off and say that, you know, he wasn't going to be my first choice and I don't think he's really anybody's first choice. Um, I don't think he could, I don't think he's going to be the type to get us pumped up. But he has built a pretty strong staff. He's changing, kind of getting ahead of the How game a little bit. Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting for sure. But uh, you know, we were coming He's off of staff. the best He's head coach. Will you let the man speak? Will you let <laughs> the man speak, please? I gotta get the joke out. He's built more more staffs in 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 three months than Fickle did in five years. Okay. okay. <laughs> Was it worth it? It wasn't. No. It wasn't worth it. Please, Joe. Sorry. Continue. Hummer's lost his mind. But I do like what they're doing. Um, I think it's a good thing. They kind of have this GM thing going on. Um, you've got kind of a different approach, it sounds like, when it comes to practices. Um, I know, like, the practice I was at the other day was exactly two hours and then they're done. And it, from what I've heard, that some of the Fickles practices could have went on longer. And uh, we saw that article from The Athletic where uh, that assistant coach said, that motherfucker just added 10 years to my life. <laughs> so I think the proof's going to be on the field, you know, when we see results. And um, going into the Big 12 this year with a new coach and changing the system and all kinds of questions – I don't think we're going to get the answer to that question this season. I, yeah, I, don't, I think that's that's only fair, right? I mean, we've just gone through two years of Bearcats basketball under Wes Miller, where they're they're kind of getting their their feet under them under new leadership, and it does take time to for to, to overcome roster turnover and to deal with culture change and. Obviously, Scott Satterfield's transition is dramatically different than what Wes Miller was going through, but his first year is going to be in the Big 12, and it's going to be a drastically different competitive landscape than what Luke Fickle was going through, you know, roughly five, almost six years ago now. What about you, Hum? Just, just you know, gut reaction to everything you've seen and heard from Scott Satterfield so far. This is, by the way, realize these are just literally gut reactions and feels to everything you're seeing and hearing and and reading because again there's no actual football being played so when joe puts the emphasis on proof will be in the pudding once we get to see real football played that's true obviously 
but are you concerned? Are you excited? Are you, um, you know, pleasantly surprised? Where are you at with Scott Satterfield? The same place I was a few months ago. Meh. It's in, I think Joe kind of alluded to it. It's like, is he a guy who's going to get you excited and fired up right now? No. And, and he's, I think you're hundred percent right. The, the proof is, is going to be in the pudding and, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting us to, you know, put up nine, 10, 11 win, 12 win seasons right off the bat. Uh, I do expect there to be a level of, of being able to compete in the new league. Big 12 football is, is not exactly, you know, SEC esque. It's not, it's not the, the greatest in the land. It's not the worst in the land. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't think we're going to see this gigantic, uh, you know, massive leap in talent on the other, on the other side of the gridiron. And I do think that from what we have on the current roster, you know, we should be able to compete and look at the history of what these past few teams have done. Cincinnati has been putting guys in the draft. There's been NFL talent on our rosters and it's already been recruited here. Have we had some transfers out? Yes. Are we losing some guys to the draft? Yes. But we still have some guys that are, that are anchoring the squad that are going to allow us to be competitive. So I, I, I am looking forward to seeing, you know, what Satterfield is going to actually bring from terms of offensive scheme. Um, I know we're going to be running a new defense. We're not going to be running a three, three, five. I know we're, mo- we're moving um, Dante, you know, Corleone is going to have a little bit of a, a new, a new role or Malik Vaughn's going to be having a, a new role as this, you know, or going through three names to get to the one I actually want to get to Deshaun Pace um, you know, we're not really utilizing that hybrid linebacker as much as, as what we're going to be doing. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what these new schemes are going to be able to do. And honestly, I think that's the first thing that I want to notice when I get to watch them is how are we utilizing the talent on the squad? Because I do think there were some deficiencies with that last year with our coaching staff is that we didn't appropriately, util- appropriately utilize the talent that we did have to win some of these closer football games and to actually – I think nine wins was too. I don't think we achieved as much as we should have last year. I think last year's squad was 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 better. But I just don't think it was used right. I've seen these comments. You know, Joe, you're you're muted, but the, the revisionist history that this fan base has started to go through with regard to the Luke Fickle era, and I'm probably speaking to the wrong crowd. I know I kind of know and have a feeling where Joe falls on this, but things were really good under Fickle, really good. Okay. And we did a lot of winning. The team tend we tended to largely maximize what we had. Now, I think if we were ever going to offer a counter to that theory, it would be the Cotton Bowl, circa 2021. I, I do have some qualms with with the coaching staff's approach in that game. But all things considered, the player development that we've experienced over the last four years, the winning that we've experienced over the last four years. I mean, this guy was unprecedented at Cincinnati, and it feels a bit empty or hollow to go back and say, "Yeah, we did. We weren't. We weren't achieving what we should have been achieving." Am I wrong? I think last year's team looked uninspired for the most part. I mean, it something was off all year. They didn't have that same intensity they had in the playoff season. Um, so. I mean, I think it. I think you can look back at it and use it is revisionist history, but 
you look back at it and you kind of say, oh, well, maybe, you know, he already had a foot out the door last season. And it, the schemes were just off. And But, again, that is the past, baby. That is it the is past. the Scott Satterfeld era. It is. Well, let's let's keep in mind, when you talk about any past teams, there's always a, a, a bit of revisionist history being involved, the what-ifs. You know, what if Mick Cronin calls a timeout and Nevada actually does a good job of calming his guys down to – to play defense. What if Kenyon Martin doesn't break his leg? What if, if some, and if this, and if that happens. So I think it's fair to go back and, and kind of analyze what we did see. And Kimry, this is the last I'll talk about it, but the cotton bowl, we let freaking we had two NFL, two starting rookie starters on our, on our, in our backfield, in our backfield, secondary, secondary. And we, we, we didn't really use any unique skills. Yeah. We just kept sauce yeah. like we did all season to the boundary and let them Look, move their best wide receiver I'm, I'm not, across the field and not follow them, not shadow I just him. can't let the podcast get derailed on, on behalf of a conversation we've had many times. I just want to make sure pe- listeners don't forget the fact that you were literally arguing against this at the time and that you were defending the game plan and thought the game plan was perfectly fine. There were no problems. Look, revisionist, revisionist history. You get a chance to sit on it. You get a chance to think about it. I rewatched that game. You know, wasn't pretty, wasn't fun. And, you know, you just, you pick up new things. And, you know, that's the beauty about being a good politician is that you can change your mind when someone else has a good idea. So let's talk about some first impressions of Scott Satterfield and whether they're positive (laughs) or whether they're negative. (laughs) Scott Satterfield apparently doesn't curse. Is this, is this a positive impression or a negative impression? I'll tell you, I didn't hear him cursing on Wednesday, but there were quite a few F-bombs flying around, so clearly he doesn't mind them being used as a uh, motivational tool. What's he say? Like, when he's mad, does he say, like, God God nabbit? No, I don't think he says God either. I think he says, gosh darn it. Dag gummit. Gosh darn it. Dag gummit. Are there any big... There there was an article about this on The Athletic, I think, when he was at Louisville. So... I mean, what, that's a that's a strange vibe from a head football coach at this level. He's clearly it clearly doesn't like hinder him. I mean, he's had some decent yeah. amount of success, but you know, there was a viral clip that went around of Kirby Smart's pregame message to his team before they went in to play TCU. Which, by the way, for Hummer, as tepid as you are in the Big Twelve, they did make the national championship game last year. So we're going into a conference that was able to produce a college football playoff entrant. And hey, the athletic conference then must have been just as ball, ballsy as the Big 12 because we were able to produce a, a college football playoff okay. contender as okay. well. Let's just throw out brains. Why not? But that's yeah, I am. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, you can have a good season, you can have a couple good teams, but the Big 12 isn't some juggernaut from top to bottom. It's a hell of a lot better than the American athletic. Hey, Tulane just won. Tulane won their big game. True. True. <laughs> so the the, the 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 no cursing is certainly an energy. The the two hour practices, prompt practices, the whole the whole idea there is what, Joe? What's the mentality behind this this practice idea? So it sounds like just like from reading these articles on the athletic about Satterfeld, he is more focused on making sure that people are you know, taking care of themselves and they've got time to be with their families and all that. So 
like I alluded to earlier, there was that article uh, where that head coach said that he's going to add 10 years to his life by just making him go home and spend time with his family and getting him out of this high stress situation. So again, I I don't, it's hard to say if it's going to be beneficial or not, but I will say at practice on Wednesday, they were making good use of the time. No one was idle. People are actually, you know, when there's other stuff going on, they're in position drills, all that. So they make good use of the two hours, but definitely a little different vibe than when Fickle was here. That's one of those those details that right now we're just kind of like, sure, okay, that's great. And yeah. when things go off the rails or if play isn't good and the team is sloppy, that's one of the first things you point back to. Like, oh, yeah, are, are we not practicing enough? Two hours, that's it. We don't need any more time than that. Especially, like, what what I would be surprised about, and this is where my, my knowledge is lacking a bit, is he maximizing the amount of time that you're allowed to work with these athletes? Because there's already limitations on how much you can actually practice. So is he practicing less than what he has available? I'm sure it's the... I'm sure he's going at the the highest, I would think. I mean, you'd be kind of stupid to... Right. to you know, not use all the time that you have. That's what I'm um, saying. So, but, you know, but also too like shorter, shorter chunks work smarter, not harder, but we're going to do it yeah. for quicker bursts, less drawn out practices. But at the same time, like spring practice is happening. Is Scott Satterfield using every possible moment he can with the team to get reps in? Yeah, that, that I'm not a hundred percent sure of, but. You know, if, if he's using less than he's allowed, then that's certainly a vibe. Certainly a red, a red flag <laughs> is what I would call that. From the NCAA.com, practices can be conducted over a 34-day period with 20 hours per week of unrestricted activities. They must Players must receive one day off per week, and 15 on-field practice sessions may be held with no more than 12 involving contact. Full contact may not occur until the third practice. So we'll have to do some additional so, digging there. That's to me. That's when we take offline and do some digging and see what we can drum up. Maybe talk to the uh, the athletic beat reporter about it. But look, Joe's got some goods. Joe got to, and and you can maybe provide some background, Joe. You were at Nippert Stadium, observing practice and providing, let's say, event by event live updates on the the Catskiller Social Club server, Discord server. So set the scene. Why were you why were you at Nippert Stadium? Why were you watching practice? How did you end up in this situation? Talk to me. I was visiting a customer in Camp Washington on Wednesday afternoon and uh it was a nice day and I didn't want to go back to work. And uh I knew that they were gonna have practice on Wednesday. So I just uh Shot a message to Chad Brendel. He's a decent guy, even though he hates our shitty discord. <laughs> and uh, I asked him if practice was at three and he said, yeah. And uh, so I went up to Nippert Stadium and took in the sights and I decided to post it on the discord, you know, as kind of a, a little treat to all of our subscribers there. Doesn't that make it nice that it's at Nippert? I know because the bubble is being torn down, but Nippert being, being an open venue, like if this would have been held in the bubble, would you 
would you have been been able to get in? Is that support? Do you sneak in? Do you become a ninja? What happens there? I mean, if it was in the bubble, I would, I'd probably try and sneak in, right? Or you know, we might ask for uh, we might ask for the uh, right credentials and not get a response like last time. I'm picturing Joe, the councilman Barnett, like tiptoeing around the stadium, trying to be discreet, hiding from from onlookers. I there's nothing to see here. I'm just merely an observer. So I'm you guys to fly on the wall. Did you get to see the entire practice? I left with about five minutes left uh, yeah. to go, but um, I was there through session 19. I think they do 20 sessions. OK, well, let's let's go through here. Maybe on the fly, I want to I want to kind of get a rapid fire through some of the, the most important or interesting takeaways you have from practice. So if you're if you're thinking like, do you have a top 10 list? Do you have an idea of how to take us through this? But like, how how do you want to go through it? Does it make sense to go top 10 observations, shitty observations from the, the Bearcats practice or how do, how do you want to approach it? So I'll just give a quick rundown because I don't think I have a top 10 list that I could that I could uh, hit on the fly here. But it might be fun to some watch of the try, though. Yeah. Can, can you just can you get me pumped? Do you have anything that's going like, to can you get me fired up? I this will podcast, tell you, this podcast needs some juice, Joe. Give us some juice. Right in the middle of one of their sessions, they crank the speakers up and you hear mm-hmm, pump it up. You got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You got to pump it up. And then they did a, uh, they all screamed onto the field. They kicked a high pressure field goal. It sailed to the left, which is uh, pretty much on par for the course, but um, kind of in the middle of practice, they just go for this random juice <laughs> session. We're going to just kick a field goal, high pressure, boom. And then they just go back into other position drills. It was Fucking pretty, shanked it. Was pretty it. Shanked it. <laughs> this is, this is Joe. Joe, I'm just going to recap what I was just told, right? Just to make sure I got this right. Yep. I wanted you to pump me up. Yeah. I wanted you to get me excited and fired up about something you saw. And it was that they, they stopped everything. They played, pumped it up. And then we we did what we normally do when we kick fifty percent of our field goals, which is miss it wide left. Yeah, that should pump you up. <laughs> Things are going to be good, baby. It's going to be like We're the last back, few baby. years. Nothing's changed, baby. Nothing's changed. Everything's Nothing's the same. Changed. It's all changed, but it's all the same. Fear not, Bearcat fans. It's all the same, but different, but the same. Well, I'm going to cede the floor. We're going to cede the floor to Joe. You're going to start taking us through some of your observations. And we're just going to interject and chime in when something catches our ear. We want to joke about it. We want to laugh about it. We want to ask deeper questions. But take us, take us through your experience. Take us through your observations of well, let's we'll call them Joe's, the councilman's shitty observations of Bearcats practice. So I'll set the stage with kind of how practice goes. So they 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 did for the first hour. They did a lot of position work. Uh, they did some stretches, um, you know, all that exciting stuff. But the second hour of practice is when they break it into 20 sessions. And they were actually doing a lot of a lot of drill work. Uh, I got to watch the quarterbacks throw. 
I saw the running backs training with their coach. It looks like they're going to have the option to try and find holes instead of just running to the same spot every time, unlike last year. Um, So they're going through these drills, and then they'll jump in to a live session. I want to ask one question uh, before we get too far away from it, because you said you mentioned you got to see the quarterbacks throw. And there's so much meat there because we have how many? Seven, I think, technically on the raw like on the roster at the moment. I think there's five five scholarship quarterbacks. I think right now five scholarship. Yes, yeah. So, uh, yeah. We'll, give me some observations from what you saw from from the throwing there. Well, Evan Prater threw what I saw as one pass the entire practice, and he wasn't working with the rest of the quarterback group, which I thought was very odd. Now, I have read that he's dinged up, but I don't know. There there might be something going on there. That. Are we reading a tea leaf? I'm reading. There's some tea leaf <laughs> reading there. Yeah. Is Evan, the, is Evan Prater the odd man out? Joe Barnett? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we saw what we had with him last year. So, you know, I think when you go out and get a guy like Emery Jones, who kind of has a similar skill set, that should kind of tell you what you need to know. Well, let, for the people who, who are casually following the Bearcats football program, and, and to be fair to everybody following along, there are a hell of a lot of new names on this team. But the quarterback room right now as it stands is Evan Prater, a six foot four, 210-pound redshirt junior. We've got Emery Jones, a transfer from Arizona State, 6'3", 212. And again, he's... Arizona State by way of Florida, actually. Uh, you've got Brady Brady Dragish. How am I saying his name, Joe? I've never heard it said out loud. Me neither, but okay. sounds good. Brady <laughs> Dra- he, Dragosh. He, come, he comes. He comes to us from from a magical place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brady Dragosh. We're dragons yeah, from live. House Targaryen. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's Brady Lichtenberg, a fan favorite out of Toledo, redshirt sophomore. And then I'm seeing two other quarterbacks on the roster, Jacob Hoying and, oh, did I forget to say Ben Bryant? God damn. Oh, you sure as hell did. You, ben you, Bryant. Like, you completely went about this in the, like, in the worst way possible. Because you could have been like, hey, you're going to recognize two of these names from last year. They battled it out, right? And <laughs> the Ben Bryant. You know, and then with some new folks competing for the job. Uh, but yeah. yes, Ben Bryant. Hey, is folks, still in there's the a bunch of new quarterbacks. Here. Oh, and one who's super familiar and has been one of, you know, involved in one of the most polarizing Bearcat fan debates of the last 10 years. Well, get ready to debate some more this year, boys. Cause I said, I said when we went and got Emery that this wasn't going to be a, a battle. And I think it's going to be a battle again. Hey. So tell me what you saw that made you think that. So you're saying Evan Prater off to the side, not working with the group. And honestly, I think anybody with a brain could say that once Ben Bryant decided to come back and play another season with the Bearcats, Evan Prater's time in Cincinnati as a quarterback was on. It, it was it was a ticking time bomb at that point. Like it's, can we, it's can not we rephrase that. Can we rephrase? Can we say once the the coaching staff decided to bring Ben Bryant back. Fair. So I will say Evan was running a lot of uh, like running type 
work in a separate drill while the quarterbacks were throwing. So I don't know if he he was working with the line or if they're working on running backs and holes in that, but he did throw one pass in that session, and that was the only pass I saw him throw all day. Was it a dime? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a five-yard out, and uh, he threw it low and almost out of bounds, but the, the guy I, didn't catch it. I am very guilty of being an Evan Prater uh, truther for lack of a better term last season i definitely would have liked to see him get reps just on the basis of like hey this is definitely not going to be i don't know i have regrets i have regrets joe i i admit it i'm here i'm regretting but tell me tell me about the emory jones versus ben bryant competition that you see formulating here and is there a third wild card candidate we should start paying attention to so there's a lot to like about Emery's speed. Um, I'm sure he has good vision because he's you know has experience running the ball like that. I wasn't tickled to death with his passing ability. He's thrown a lot of interceptions. I think he threw he threw one when I was there Wednesday uh, that got jumped by uh, what's Jordan Young, who's our new uh, our new corner from Florida. So maybe they have some familiarity there. Uh, but Ben looked really good passing the ball, but I think we know that his running ability is nowhere near that of of an Emory Jones. It's just not on the table. Like, that's not a facet of your game plan at all. Ben Bryant has a cannon. Ben Bryant can stretch the field vertically. Ben Bryant had receivers last season that fit his skill set perfectly in Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker I mean, he had an absolutely loaded skill set position group uh, from a wide receiver and tight end standpoint last year. This year, I imagine we're definitely taking a step back in that regard. Well, considering that we have one guy on the roster that caught a pass for us last year as a wide receiver, I'd say we're probably going to take a pretty big step back. <clears throat> so with that, that being said, yeah. Um, the two two of the new transfers, D. Wiggins and Donovan Ollie, they looked really good in practice on Wednesday, and I think they're going to be uh, really solid receivers for us this season. If you had to make a prediction, who's who's going to come out out of this battle for the for the QB spot? Uh, you guys aren't going to like this. <laughs> I might love it. You never know. Honestly, I, I think I might love it if it, if if I think if if what you're prefacing what what by your tone yeah by your tone I actually think I might like what this. what I saw on Wednesday Ben Ben was the guy <laughs> I think he just looked a lot better I think you can do a lot with the run game in other ways and SAT system and have that big downfield threat you know with Bryant's arm and. Uh, We'll see, you know, things may change between now and the summer, but right now I'd give the nod to Ben. Ben Bryant can't be killed. I mean, I'm not hating it because with, with Emory Jones, honestly, nothing excites me there, right? This will be his third, third college in his career in his six year career. You know, I'm just, I'm I'm not buying it. It, It's there's, there's not a lot of, I I don't think there's a lot of upside with that, right? It's not like you're all of a sudden going to go in your sixth year in college and break out into being a NFL caliber, uh, you know, even, I don't know, even CFL 
uh, caliber quarterback necessarily. So I'm not really excited about about that transfer. I think you guys are kind of like Evan is just it, it just doesn't seem to be there. And after that, we're we're looking at freshmen, young players, and Ben Bryant. He's yeah, he's had, this would be his technically where his second school, but he's been here. We do know what we got, and there's probably a little more consistency there. Um, so I, I'm not I'm actually not hating it this year as opposed to like the controversy that we had last year of wanting to see what Evan could do. But then once we did kind of get to see it, it was just my favorite word of this year. Meh. So I, I think back to last year and there was a lot of a lot of the conversation preseason on football was Evan Prater versus Ben Bryant. And I know that me personally, Hummer, I'm not, I don't remember where you landed. I mean, I was rooting for and pulling for Evan Prater to win that job. At the end of the day, we were, I was there with yeah, you. Yeah, I, 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 I remember. You. I remember falling back though on on a catchphrase that we've repeated time and time again over the last four years, which was "In Vic, we trust." And the thought was that we trusted him with Des Ritter over Ben Bryant back in the day. We defended that decision in in, in emphatic ways, knowing that these guys and this coaching staff is seeing these quarterbacks day in day out. That was that held true again for Prater versus Bryant, and the reality is that it, it was more of a, of a red flag for Evan Prater and his long term outlook with the Bearcats that he couldn't beat Ben Bryant out for the job, because I think in theory what the the thought of what Evan Prater could have been or we had hoped he would be was something that I think should be on the field more than a quarterback like Ben Bryant. But once you got to see him on the field, like the the accuracy was nowhere to be seen, the the throwing motion was really really gnarly, the and then the honestly the the running and explosiveness running the ball wasn't really what I thought it would be. I actually thought he was going to be significantly more explosive than Des Ritter, and I didn't necessarily see that to be the case. So if if we're now putting Ben Bryant against a guy who, frankly, I have. Not that much. I'm, I'm sure Emory Jones is a much more reliable candidate than Evan Prater, but I don't think that he's gone anywhere, you know, since his Florida days and kind of blown anybody out of the water. Well, Ben Bryant's gonna gonna win a job over a guy like that based on his ability to execute a game plan, plan based on his ability to throw downfield, based on ju- him just being kind of solid. He's a really solid quarterback, but he's not going to be someone who's gonna, you know, change your fortunes. To, to an unbelievable degree, in my opinion. I think Ben Bryant has limitations. They're very clear. They're inconsistent. But he will beat out more inconsistent quarterbacks like Emory Jones and like Evan Prater. There's two liabilities, and they just move very, very slow, and they're his feet. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, uh, I think Bryant has some ability to run when he did get when he did get the opportunity, but yeah, I agree with everything you said, Coomer, the, the explosiveness just wasn't there with, with Evan and it, it, his accuracy issues, just, they didn't make it worth it. Yeah. I was kind of like, Oh, maybe Evan Prater, he's not going to be a Lamar Jackson runner, but he's going to like be in that mold. And that wasn't true. No, he's not, not he's, he's not even close to that. But uh, I will say, and Brady Lichtenberg's been around a couple years, and and he's got some good arm talent. Uh, but Brady Drogosh looked pretty damn good. There we go. I don't think he's now a threat. It's he's, time. Yeah, he's not a threat this year. I think to start. 
But um, once he gets the speed of the game down, I think he's going to be really solid because he's uh, he's got that right kind of build. He's he's a big kid. He's explosive when he runs and uh, he's got really good arm talent. And that's what that's that's really what Bearcat fans want to hear is you've got yeah. this 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 first year in the Big 12 cobbled together a roster, cobbled together a team that can go out there and, like Hummer said, try and compete against the Big 12 the best you can. I think no, nobody's really expecting us to burn the house down that first year in this conference, but you do want to start picking up some level of momentum for adding talent, building a culture, building a style of play. All for, and, and maybe Bryant is sort of the perfect guy to start structuring that around, while and then you bring in a bigger arm thereafter a more talented arm can can uh dragosh of house targaryen actually run the ball too oh yeah he's he's an excellent runner yeah he ran a he how many he ran for a lot of yards last year let me look and see if i can find it real quick but while we're uh while we're talking about that um i think we're gonna have a lot more success with the running game this year you know, we've got a pretty good stable of backs. Ethan Wright has moved back from safety to running back, and he looked love really Ethan good Wright. in practice. I love Ethan Wright. Love him as a running uh, back. So happy to see he's back as a running back. That guy ran fucking hard two years ago. Anytime oh, yeah. they gave him the ball, he was running over dudes. I hated seeing him go to safety, mm-hmm. and I'm happy that he's back at running back. That guy lays wood. Definitely Lannister. <laughs> <laughs> it's game of thrones night i love it i know i was like what, which one is lichtenberg he he definitely has to have a house so he, it, it is crowded though I mean, you've got so you've got right but frankly there's three names on there that probably get priority over him at this point which would be you know Corey kiner is probably the biggest name on in that backfield ryan montgomery is always solid a big Mont- ryan montgomery guy Miles Montgomery is always raved about in terms of his, ex- his explosiveness and potential and sort of being someone as like a dark, dark horse to, to steal carries. How do you see the, the distribution shaking out across that backfield? And how are you watching, like when we project this out to the spring game, what are you looking for in the spring game in this running back backfield? So I think we're going to see probably a really heavy, run heavy scheme from Sat. I mean, he's had he's run the ball like thirty to forty times a game sometimes. So we're gonna have lots of carries to to split around. Uh, but what I think is interesting is a lot of the marketing throughout the the spring has been featuring Miles Montgomery, and I think he's gonna be a dude this year. Why wasn't I, I he a dude last he year? Looks because like, preseason, he his name was popping up. He was the guy who was eye popping. Was it strictly injury? Yeah, he was hurt last year. What was the injury? I don't know. I just know he was hurt. <laughs> Luke Fickle doesn't. Dis- bro- Luke Fickle doesn't. It was, a, bro- it was a broken heart. It was a broken heart. God broken forbid. We share. Luke, Luke told him. Luke told him right away and made him sign an NDA. He was brokenhearted. So I don't want to go. But, uh, I don't really want to go fully position by position, but I do yeah. want to, as we look forward to the spring game, Joe, and you factor in some of your other observations here from practice. What are you what are you most like what what did you see during practice that is something you're going to be keeping an eye on come spring game that might be so, telling from the offensive standpoint 
something I thought was pretty interesting is they were putting uh, Cam Jones in as a sixth offensive lineman, like in a jumbo package. And they were actually putting him in motion. That's a big dude to be coming across the field. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I saw a lot of pistol concepts. So I'm just going to, I'm really curious to see how run heavy this team's going to be. Cause I actually think that that could be a positive for this team in the big 12. Cause their, their games are kind of like uh, just boat racing up and down track the meet. field. So yeah. yeah, track meet. So I want to see that on the offensive side. And then on the defensive side, uh, I saw Deshaun pace all over the field, all practice. And I am super pumped that uh, they've kind of moved him into more of a safety type role than a, than a linebacker. And I think that's going to pay dividends this season. You know how dangerous it is to come onto the Cincy slang and Bearcat podcast and start talking dirty about Deshaun pace, right? Oh yeah. That is, that is a guy that we are big fans of. It did feel like he was a little bit less present as he was maybe two years ago. Like if you remember, his interception against Notre Dame. It just felt like in, in 2021, Deshaun Pace was making plays game in, game out, and it didn't always feel like that in 2022 to me. What is there something you attribute that to, or are you going to look at me and say, you're an idiot, you don't know how to watch football, this guy was making plays all over the place last season? I would agree with you. I, I think he was kind of a disappointment last season, and I just I think it. I'm going to attribute most of that to scheme because they were putting a lot more big linebackers on the field last year. So it didn't seem like he had as many opportunities and he was splitting, uh, splitting uh, snaps with Van Fossen too. So I think this year you're going to see him out there a lot more and having a guy like that on the field is definitely a positive. Do we see Jaheim Thomas coming into his own and, and, and being a more effective player consistently next season? Like that's a guy who's intriguing from a physicality standpoint, but it hasn't seemed like he's been able to fully put it together yet in a Bearcat uniform. What's your what's your outlook for Jaheim? I'm optimistic, but if I told you I noticed him at practice this week, I would be lying to you. I do also this is this is now shooting a memory into my brain. Pass rushers. Defensive front. What did you see during the practice that you got to watch? Uh, Daniel, I, I'm going to butcher this last name, but Graziak is how I'm going to pronounce it. The transfer from uh, Utah State. He is going to be a menace. He's going to be a lot uh, kind of in the same mold this year that Ivan Pace was in. I saw him pass rushing from different angles, and at one point I saw him put a spin move on somebody. And I think the guy's still spinning around kind of like the Tasmanian <laughs> devil off into the distance. Yeah, that's look, Ivan Pace was a menace. Ivan Pace Gre earned that Gre title. Gre You're saying you feel, you feel confident that that Grigiak is going to be Gre earning Gre that title and, and carrying that torch forward. I feel pretty confident. He looked really good in practice. And he's kind of built in, in kind of a similar manner. He's a little shorter and, and just beefy. Six one and what about thick? What what about the godfather? How'd the godfather look? The the front three looked phenomenal as always. They they were running out there with uh Van, Briggs, and Corleone. 
most of most of the practice from what I saw. And I saw um, I also saw I'm butchering this now. I'm I want Dante Corleone to be the next great like greatest of all time Bearcat. So greatest at their position in NFL Bearcat. I think I want him to develop it. I think that. there's a, a very high chance for that. The guy the other guy I was thinking of was Dominique Perry, who's been a name we've been saying for a few years now, but I feel pretty good about the the front seven defensively. I think we're going to have some questions when it comes to secondary. I'm kind of intrigued by this idea that Scott Satterfield is is building a team that's basically trying to kick your ass on both sides of the line in terms of trenches. Like we're going to have an offensive line with jumbo packages, run the ball down your throat. Defensively, we're going to build our defense around that defensive front. And frankly, we've got the defensive coordinator to do it. You know, he's known for bringing pressure, generating, you know, schematically looks that will will cause quarterbacks a nightmare and getting into the backfield. So there is something that's a bit tantalizing from that standpoint, but there's so much turnover from the skill possessions positions offensively. And then from the secondary standpoint, can we tell this early, you know, one practice and then looking at spring practice as well? Like, do we, how are we feeling with our, with our defensive backfield at this point? Jordan Young looked really good in practice. I saw him make some plays. So he's probably going to be sitting in one of those starting corner spots. Um, you know, we've got some of the usual suspects, Sammy Anderson and Justin Harris. Taj Ward are still around. Um, DJ Taylor is another guy that came in from Arizona State. I saw him on the field. He was looking pretty good as a safety kind of player. So... I think I think we're going to see a much different kind of defensive presence from our secondary, and I think we'd be foolish to think that it's going to be as good as it's been in the past. But uh, different style of defense, lots of pressure up front, try to make the quarterback make bad decisions and, and hope for the best. Well, with the Satterfeld reset, I mean, it is nice that we get to fir- like officially detach ourselves from the expectations of 2021. Because that was a challenge for me last year was to sort of shift away from, hey, we just had a team that went on a playoff run to now we have, you know, there's, we've lost NFL level talent <laughs> and Hummer's coming into the season saying 13 and 0. This is what it no, is. No, no, no. We're going this, this, is, this, is, this is what I'm hearing. We get to detach ourselves from the reality that we, we get to come to terms with that, with the reality that we are, in fact, not a top 10 program. Correct. That we are the University of Cincinnati, and that we don't ha- we don't get to have expectations that we're go- that this is actually being built. It's a little bit of a reset. That's, that's that, I'm just being blunt. Yeah, like, when Vic was here, and he that's saying what that's his goal. I want to build us into a top ten program. Blah blah blah. Well, that's the expectations of a top ten program. Now we don't have to have those anymore. Yay! <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> this is fun again. We get to be frisky <laughs> underdogs who might, you know, fight our way to six and seven this season. Sorry, sorry, I had to had to had to take it there. <laughs> that is that is a pretty sobering thought. Do you have any any oh, wild? I'm not sober. Well, for for people who are going to go out to the spring game in a couple weeks on April fifteenth, how do you? What's the, what's the proper way to watch and enjoy a spring game? What are you 
Joe Barnett going to be doing when you go to the spring game? How are you going to be enjoying the experience and watching the game itself? What are the keys to a successful spring game from a spectator standpoint? So it's it's kind of hard because since Luke Fickle hated having spring games, that, you know, I think there was only two in his tenure here. So my my personal goal will be kind of how I watch football games, and that's going to be to slam a bunch of beers beforehand. That's what I'm talking about. And enjoy being in the sights of sweet, sweet Nipper Stadium. That's what I'm talking about. Now, uh, I did see, though, unfortunately, they will not be selling alcohol at the spring game. Well, that is a swing and miss by the athletic department. Uh, Huge swing and miss. Uh, Is there going to be a tailgate? Details should be coming out probably this week. Beautiful. Yes. Is there anything on on your rundown, Joe, that we didn't get to that you want to make sure we're covering? Any hidden tidbits, any hidden gems, any uh, blink twice if, if we should be panicking as a Bearcat football fan base. We shouldn't be panicking. Okay. I think things are going to be good. I was going to say, you had to clarify there because you did actually blink twice. I know. <laughs> I did that on purpose. I wanted to create some suspense. <laughs> but oh God, we're, we're everything's on fire. on fire. Panic, panic. They just pulled out. They just bulldozed the bubble. It's all falling down. It's all gone. It's all gone. Uh, I did, I just think it's going to be exciting. Different style team. Um, the defense should be just as exciting as it's been in the past. I think you're going to see a, a balanced offense and old school. It's I mean, going to be an old school offense. This is like yeah. this is this is your dad's offense. This is old school ground and pound football we're bringing it back boomer football here we go dag gummit <laughs> got a question for you look into the future we had if there was a base being built hypothetically for the for the luke fickle statue which we promptly canceled the order on we re-smelted the metal it's it's there and waiting are you excited enough to maybe preemptively preemptively cast the mold with Scott Saturday? Oh God. God, no. No, absolutely not. Hummer is so obsessed with coronating fucking coaches. It disgusts me. You put John Brandon in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. You want to build statues to Luke up. Fickle. <laughs> God damn it, Hummer. Stop. Stop doing it. So Hummer just loves to live in the past. Oh, he really does. God. Joe, if if I let Hummer come on here weekly and talk about three seasons ago, he would do it every week. Like clockwork. Three seasons ago? Uh, so uh, right now was about the time John Brandon was getting fired. About three seasons ago, right? 20, it would have been, it would have been two, been two years ago, fired. two calendar years ago. This was the week. Was he fired? This is yeah. the week. Was it? Cheers. This is the week. Cheers, y'all. This is where we did our best work. <laughs> <laughs> what an ending to this podcast. Joe, I want to make sure people are following along for, uh, honestly, I don't know if you're that much that active on Twitter these days, but where, where, where do you want to point people to? 
besides the, the Catskiller Social Disc- Discord. Oh, I, I just want people to come see us at the shitty Discord. Yeah, that's right. Come to the you Discord. Can, you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Barnett. And uh, that's pretty much where you'll find me and here. And then also uh, the Republic of Cincinnati as well on their page. I, I dropped some drop some articles on there from time to time. So remember that one time you were going to start writing for Cincy slang and it never came to fruition. Yes. What happened? Was it me? Did I drop the ball? Did I forget an article? No, I just didn't seem like, uh, didn't seem like you guys were pushing the website at the time. So we can, we can get back to it, baby. The since this, this cats, the, the cat Skeller social club website, is on fire right now. It is. Like the Bearcats football program, baby. Woohoo! <laughs> Cheers, buddy. <laughs> I was supposed to get a high five, remember? <laughs>